millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tonight on Irrational Fear, the Daily Telegraph gives six just saying on PC what we're all thinking reasons why Wally Dali shouldn't win a gold Logie. Tonight, we'll give you just one really good racist reason. And Hillary Clinton vows to go after those implicated in the Panama Papers leaks, saying that if you want to launder money, do it legally, just like we do in the United States. And Tony Abbott says he's open to a spot in a Malcolm Turnbull cabinet. Malcolm Turnbull has already hinted that Abbott could serve in the cabinet in the bathroom at his holiday house in Noosa. With all the news you should be scared about this week, this is A Rational Fear. Welcome to A Rational Fear, recorded at the Vic Hotel in the heart of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I'm your host, Dan Illich, and your fear mongers for tonight, the 7th of April to 2016, are a woman who's been receiving nothing but five stars and stellar reviews for her Melbourne Comedy Festival show, The Resistance. It's Alan Fraser. Hello. Hello. How are you, Dan? I'm good. And we've also got a bloke who spent the last year writing for the stars of The Weekly and The Checkout. It's Scott Abbott. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. And finally, the only person who truly knows what being a star is all about, mainly because of his degree in astrophysics, it's James Colley. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get cracking. What should we be scared about this week? Let's start with you, Scott Abbott. Uh, look, I've, uh, I've got a really hard-hitting one. Uh, because you guys might have seen how these colouring book craze has taken off. And because of that, apparently the world is running short of coloured pencils. <laughs> um, so so these, these, are, these are adult colouring. These, ad, these so, adult coloured pencils books. So the world, the world had just enough pencils just for the kids, but it was the adults that really sent uh, the shortage into a spin. To be fair, that's not a major oversight to be like, we've only packed enough colouring in pencils for the children. <laughs> you know what a good equivalent is, is when women joined the workforce in well, uh, after World War II and kind of in equal numbers to men, what happened was social mobility went down. Oh, there you go. There was an excess and of supply and insufficient demand. The jobs that women would have done, that men would have done, like up and yeah, coming yeah. secretarial jobs, went to women. So this is like the league of your own of colouring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly were there were there any particular colours that uh, are in extra shortage? Well, going back to my childhood in, in the Derwent's pack, I remember it was like your red that would always go first. So I feel like there's we've probably got a shortage of red. And big, a big load of white. Well, China is really big into pencils yeah. right now, and they love red. Sorry, if I could just investigate your childhood for a little bit. What were you drawing that was just red? Just a big pool of red. Leave comrade Scott yeah. alone. 
red represents pain. It was just, uh, it was, it was bad. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently um, Faber-Castell in Germany has had to uh, put on extra shifts and try and hire more people uh, to make more pencils in Bavaria. This Surely this means, like, there could be a boom for pencil sharpeners as well. That is a very good point, mm. yeah. I think it's remarkable. Incidentally, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Harry's Pencil Sharpeners. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's remarkable that we're, we're in a state of, like, a global economic state that a business doing well is a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> it's also kind of interesting that, with all the worries in the world, that colouring in is a fad on its own. What do you reckon is driving that fad? Of colouring in, just lots of brain injuries. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, as I think it's the uh, people want to do something with their hands. Everything's on like touch screens, and you like to feel like you're making an effect on the world. I think it's a visceral, like getting your hands dirty, but in a clean way. I'm just really. I agree with you. I have enjoyed lately this week just going around poking people in real life with my fingers. Mm, I think people have forgotten how to handwrite, and so the best we can do now is just colour things. <laughs> So, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, in about five years from now, there'll be a craze for cursive, yeah. just, just going back through primary yeah, school yeah. very slowly as a society. I also think, like, with, with trends in clicktivism and things like that, people are looking for the lamest ways they can rebel. And if you can just not colour within the lines, <laughs> that's all the anarchism you need. <laughs> James Colley, let's go to you next. What should we be scared of this week? I am scared of the inevitable reign of Prime Minister Kevin Andrews, who... <laughs> has announced that he is prepared to challenge Malcolm Turnbull for the leadership. Now, it's very interesting, this challenge, particularly because it comes from a man who is not popular either in the conservative edge of the party or in the moderate edge of the party. So he really has no popularity anywhere. In fact, the quote from the SMH article about this had uh, one cabinet minister describing his statement that he would stand uh, if, if circumstances occurred, he would challenge for leadership as truly bizarre and and i'm quoting here another mp declaring mr andrew should just fuck off <laughs> this and i'm sorry to bring it back to trump this is what is this is the result of trump this is anyone looking at him just goes com i'm completely mad and i have no you know real policies if i say anything loud enough i can be a leader that's really he's an inspiration mm, to fuckheads everywhere it's, what's great about this, though, is in any other party situation, this would be horrible disunity. But luckily, Kevin Andrews has a whole bunch of marriage counselling vouchers that weren't being used. <laughs> so he's going to get ahead of him around. I think um, usually when someone challenges, it, it's, it screams disunity. But in this case, the whole party is coalesced around him being a fuckhead. <laughs> and it's really brought them together. <laughs> Finally, the Liberal Party has got some cohesion. Yeah. He's, he's like their Simon Crean back in Labor days. It'd be like, all right, let's just send him out. I have a cousin like that. The whole family just unites. <laughs> what do you reckon went through Malcolm Turnbull's head when he read that? Was he like, hey, you guys, you've got a prime minister. Uh, I'm right here. Uh, I'm team captain right now. I oh, know, I reckon his response was, who's that? <laughs> oh, that prick. He works here? I think the shovel said it had a really great tweet. Um, the shovel put out this great tweet. Popularity, public profile, party support. Only thing standing in the way between Kevin Andrews and Prime Ministership. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, what, would you, what do you reckon Kevin Andrews' first order of business will be if he does become Prime Minister? 
Uh, probably dealing with the freezing of hell. Uh, <laughs> There's a crisis of, of faith in the general population because everyone else in the world is dead. At least we can brush up, uh, get out all those old Kevin 13 and Kevin 16 <laughs> t-shirts. Just use them for Kevin Andrews. And it's great because like, um, people, when they launch leadership challenges, they usually have really great le- reasons for it. They, they will give a big speech about what they want to see as the future of the country. Now, Kevin Andrews has form on this. He has challenged for positions before, and he challenged for Julie Bishop's position at the last spill. And his reason why was, wasn't anything particularly negative about Julie. There hadn't really been a contest. See, look, this is the thing. This is the problem with democracy, right? I think we should go back to Kings because Kings is just a fucking roll of the dice, could be anything. And now with democracy, you're self-selecting for, like, ambitious fuckheads. Like, Are you trying... What we've seen in the Australian government over the last six years is very much like Kings. It's just very much like people securing Yeah, but when you got rid of a King, they didn't come back five years later. bullied in high school and they don't have a vendetta to, to break down. Down. That's what I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying we have to have kings. I'm just putting it on the table. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. I reckon feudalism will be good for a stint. <laughs> just get a pope back in there, see what they do. <laughs> I already feel like I'm a peasant, so that's totally just fine. Five minutes ago, Alice was talking about how we had class mobility <laughs> after the Second World War, and now she's calling for the return of feudalism. Look, at least <laughs> peasants got land, right? <laughs> My chances of having a, a, even a hut in a little plot of land are just nil. I would give service to a king. To a, I would bow to a liege lord if I could just have a one-bedroom flat. That, that's <laughs> the answer for Sid- the Sydney property crisis. <laughs> Bring back a king, fight a war against the Romans, and get your a little block. It all starts from there. Uh, my reason to be scared this week is that Tony Abbott, back for very similar territory, Tony Abbott has said today that um, he will take part in low key electioneering, uh, low key campaigning throughout this election. I, I just want to kind of go back the last couple of months and point out some other low key events that he's done. Um, he criticised the PM's. Um, tax reform at uh, at Coag in a very low key way though uh, that was very low key. Oh, it's bloody subtle as hell. Uh, he uh, he went to um, he went to the UK and hung out with David Cameron uh, on a bit of an international tour, but in a very low key way. Mm. Uh, he did that in a very low key way. He went to Kiev and joined an international advisory council with uh, with the president of the Ukraine just to let them know that he's available to help in a very low key way, but in a whisper. Yeah, just very low-key, very low-key. I imagine um, Poroshenko could have given him some tips on um, when things have been taken away from you unjustly uh, rather than the other way around. But also, uh, he's also planning on a bus tour of marginal seats in southeastern Australia, but a very low-key bus tour. It's more of a surfing trip than a bus bus tour. So it's really nice that... Abbott has decided that he's going to go yeah. forth and just... Uh, the pu- Quiet Talk Express. <laughs> if you really crunch the numbers of polling and approval ratings, I think you can say that the number of people listening to him alone means it's going to be a low-key event. <laughs> well, the Liberal Party, he was just he had his nose so out of joint, the Liberal Party didn't actually organise it for him, that he's organised it himself. So that's why it's so low-key. Here's the thing, how did he not get that? He's like, oh, they haven't organised anything for me. Huh. It's almost as if they don't want me around. No, they forgot. They forgot. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm I, I liked how... Uh, me laughing. <laughs> um, the, literally the day after he was rolled, he went for a surf. Remember that? Yep. And a Daily Telegraph reporter approached him on the sand 
and he started slagging off Scott Morrison and it was like he hadn't even left the sand. He's like some sort of all-terrain <laughs> hypocrite and he was, you know... Or, like, an amphibious <laughs> hypocrite, yeah. <laughs> an amphibious hypocrite actually sounds the Latin for an actual uh, animal, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Alice Fraser, what uh, should we be scared of this week? Well, a diabetes expert believes that sugar tax is one way Australia could tackle increasing rates of diabetes, and I uh, am terrified of a sugar tax because chocolate is my only friend. Um, (laughs) A very expensive friend. Very expensive friend, but I do think this has all of the hallmarks of something that might go through because it's a a very appealing political thing. It's a simple solution. It punishes the poor uh, disproportionately to the wealthy, Uh, and uh, as such, I think it's more likely to go through than not. You had me at punish the poor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thank you very much, Malcolm Turnbull. But uh, just dropping into the podcast for a minute there. I would really like to see people start labelling candy packets and those little party favours with the same kind of plain packaging that you get on cigarettes, that you just know that, you know, having this candy might be fun now, but it will harm an unborn child somehow. Look, I was with a girl once, a friend of mine, uh, when there was a new... (laughs) That's a lie. I'm not going to (laughs) say... Uh, we were watching the news and she recognised her own uh, backside in one of those dangers of obesity ads. No way! Yeah, which is something that I always thought must happen at some point, but I was there to but see the moment. they cut the head off. It's foolproof. You can recognise your own ass. Can you sue for defamation? Yeah, well, exactly. Just identity, identity-free buttock strolling down the street. Actually, you can't sue for defamation because that really is just a clear depiction of your ass. It's yeah, tr- yeah, 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 truth yeah. is a defence. Or you could say that that was honestly held opinion about your ass. It's news. It's news. It's in the public interest, arguably. Arguably in the public interest. Uh, The other thing that's happened is girls have figured out how to do numbers in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, What do you mean? In that there was a reviewer in the Herald Sun who was sort of, everyone knew that he doesn't give women very good reviews. And then uh, comedian Lisa Skye did the numbers. And it turns out that he marks... Of 75 reviews over the past four years, he gives men on average 3.4 stars and women on average 2.1. Wow. That is a big discrepancy. Which is a numbers. That is a numbers discrepancy. That is like, you know, there's only a couple of possible explanations. One is women aren't funny, mm. uh, which is, you know, possible and stuff. <laughs> and the other one is he hates women. Can I tell you that as, as I was introduced as the resident star expert from a physics perspective, <laughs> there's only two ways a star can disappear. One is by a sudden explosion of gas from within it, and the other is being sucked in by some kind of massive hole. <laughs> What publication does he write for? He Herald writes S- for the Herald Sun. And, uh, but they've never done anything wrong. No, they, they're very well known for their unbiased journalism <laughs> in every respect, uh, only topped, I think, by news.com.au. So what's the outcome of that? Like, What happens to that guy and what happens to his well, reviews? Well, I mean, the, the, the fact has existed for a long time. It's just that the numbers haven't been done. So it's a real question of whether this gets picked up. So whether en masse uh, girls go... Uh, don't come to my show if he asks for a comp or if they write in complaint to the editor or if everyone gets together and goes, well, this guy's an idiot. You know, anything could happen. It's one of those things that's just a fact and until it becomes big, it is small. Yeah, duh, I got a two and a half star review, reads like a four. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. By the way, it's great that you got a five to drag up that average a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alice Fraser, so five stars. you would have got a six had, uh, you know... <laughs> 
he was not the Herald Sun reviewer who reviewed my show, so arguably by just spreading this news, I'm biting the hand of the publication <laughs> that fed me. He's a different reviewer. He has never given a woman more than three stars, ever. Wow. I saw an article that Nath Valvo got ten stars. What was that about? Uh, typo. <laughs> <laughs> I say that about my bad reviews. <laughs> so how many stars did that, did that article actually end up getting? I think he got five stars. Uh, oh, okay. they're just, See, they're... five is amazing, but it seems unimpressive when they put ten there first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's, it's a half-price deal. <laughs> Let's do a quick whip around and figure out what we should be scared about next week. Let's start with you, Alice. Uh, when the sugar tax hits, uh, how angry I'm going to be. <laughs> Scott Abbott, what should we be scared about next week? Yeah, I just read that, sadly, Stereosonic Festival is uh, being cancelled for 2016, but it's going to be back bigger than ever for 2017, so be afraid. Roid it up. Yeah, the people shredding will also be back bigger than ever. (laughs) And James Colley, what are you scared about next week? Well, with Barnaby Joyce's new helicopter entitlement scandal, I think the real worry is that MPs are slowly building an armada of helicopters until everyone has their own helicopter and everyone gets to Parliament House with right of the Valkyries blasting <laughs> the whole <laughs> way. I don't see why we should be afraid of that. I'm rooting for that. <laughs> and Labor has said they won't rule out a, uh, a, a Royal Commission into banks. I just think this is really, this is really sad. What, what's happening now is that there's a bit of tit-for-tat with Royal Commissions. I'm going to do a Royal Commission about stuff you like. You're going to do a Royal Commission about stuff I like. When will it get down to, like, Labor saying they're going to have a Royal Commission against other things that Conservatives like, like golf? When is there going to be a Royal Commission about boat shoes? That's what I'll be looking. That's what I'm scared about for next week. Yeah, what happens? You don't wear socks with them? Do they smell? Do you just buy a new pair of shoes? Is that what you're saying? I'm so rich, I can just buy a new pair of shoes. There, I don't need to wear socks. There is though. Coming off the last Royal Commission, I think there wasn't a whole lot of damning stuff inside it, but there was one incredibly damning piece of footage, which is that when Bill Shorten gives his testimony, because it's split up into little boxes on the screen, the last frame you see whenever he's talking is a big picture of. Bill Shorten and the caption, Witness Bill Shorten. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a rational fear. Please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends. Scott Abbott, how can people follow your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it. So. Uh, they can't at all. <laughs> Just through this podcast, this is the only way you can hear me. James Colley, you've got a Sydney Comedy Festival show kicking off soon? Uh, yeah, I do. It's called Idealist Prick. It's halfway through May, like uh, I want to say the 11th, 13th and 15th. So check it out. And there's only a couple more weeks to see the five-starred Alice Fraser. Yeah, I'm uh, doing The Resistance until the end of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, then I'm taking it to the Sydney Comedy Festival, then New Zealand, then London, then Edinburgh. If you're in any of those places, look me up online. Oh, my goodness. Wow. How many stars are you going to get there? A million. <laughs> this has been a rational fear. We'll see you next week. And remember, there's always something to be scared of. Oh.